everybody knows that when you lane by Parshas Bichu Kaisai and Parshas Kisava, you have the Teichacha, the Klalais, and the person who gets the Aliyah doesn't start the Aliyah in the place where the curses are, rather starts the Aliyah Hold on one more second, apologies. Rather starts the Aliyah before the curses begin and finishes it after the curses have finished. That is, we don't want a person who's getting the Aliyah to lane just the curses, so we give him a little bit before and a little bit after to sort of soften the blow, as it were. We all know, additionally, that you never make a stop during the Klalais. When you're reading the Klalais in Bichud Kaisai and in Parshas Kisavai, there's no stopping. You go straight through. The last point I want to make on this is that when it comes to the Klalais, there are opinions that you give it uh, no bracha. That the person who gets the aliyah doesn't actually make a bracha. Some shuls, they do make a bracha, but many places they don't even make a bracha. There's a, uh, a Shai Agnon uh, story about a person in a village, a schlepper, a nobody, a nebuch, that every year he's given the teichacha. And one day he rebels, one year he's tired, a whole lifetime. He's been given the Teichacha. And he says, you know what, enough, I'm not doing the Teichacha this year. So when it gets his turn for the Aliyah, that the only Aliyah he gets the whole year, he refuses. And the town is very upset at him. The people are screaming at him, he's so selfish that he's going to cause ruin on the town. It's his job to take the Teichacha. On a personal note, as somebody who's been landing for many years, I noticed in one of the shuls that I landed in that I literally never got an aliyah the whole year except for the taichacha. So at some point I realized that. I don't know if it took me a year to realize, but it took me probably a year to realize. I said to the Gabbai, you don't give me aliyah the whole year, don't give me the taichacha either. It's not like I'm getting paid extra to take the taichacha. But they would give it off to the to the guy who lanes it, or to the Gabbai, as a way so that people in the shul shouldn't get angry. And the reason is because we're scared of the Teichacha. But actually, if you go through the Teichacha Parshish B'chukhaisai and the Teichacha Parshish you'll notice that the Teichacha Parshish kaisai is far shorter, and I don't want to say sweeter, but certainly nowhere near as full of vitriol as the Teichacha Parshish Kisavai. Now you might be wondering, why are we talking about the Teichacha? It's Parshas V'azchanan, it's the Parsha of Nachamu Nachamu Ami, it's not the Parsha of the Teichacha. I haven't gotten confused. I uh, am aware of what the Parsha is. However, I do think that it is relevant to talk about the Teichacha, really because of the fact that we didn't get a chance to talk about the Parsha when it came to Devarim. Last week we talked about Tishabav. So this week, I wanted to start out by some of the things that we missed. And namely, this is a theme that I've been holding for the entire year. It's a theme that really I could have talked about in Bereshis, but I waited till Devarim to talk about it. And the reason that I waited till Devarim to talk about it is because of the fact that in Devarim, everyone talks about it. But the Rajbam has a very unique I think, approach in the way he speaks about this topic. And I'm not sure, I'm not convinced 100% that one can learn from the Rajbam's approach anything too conclusive, and that's the question or the issue that I wanted to share with you tonight. So here it goes. We are all familiar that when it gets to Devarim, something seems a bit different. Right? Something seems a bit different. What does it seem a bit different? 
So something doesn't sound exactly like we did in the first, you know, books that we saw, like in Shmais and Vayikra. There's no Vaydabra Hashem on Maisha Lamars. There's no Vayemra Hashem on Maisha. This seems like it's Maisha Rabbeinu talking. Maisha Rabbeinu talking of his own volition. But Chazal were attuned to this fact and they dealt with it. But I want to first start out by a very popular refrain that we all say. Every time somebody does Hagba on a Sefer Torah, what do we say? We say, Now where this comes from is the Mesecha Seferim. The Mesecha Seferim says that when they would do, it would be, the Torah, open it up, three Amudim. That's where we get the idea of doing Hagba, three columns. And they would show it to the people, the men, the women, the children. It's not just the men thing. This is the women also, and the children. And they would say, and they would say, Now, they didn't say, they didn't say the rest of it. Right? They said, They didn't say, This is actually, the statement that we say, this is not for right now, but the statement that we say, is actually a combination of two different psukim. One is, The other one is, the Al Pi Hashem Biad Meisha is really the end of another pasuk. In Parshas Balayischa, the pasuk says Al Pi Hashem Yachanu, the Al Pi Hashem Yisau, as Vishmeres Hashem Shemar Al Pi Hashem Biad Meisha. We take the end of that pasuk and we attach it to the beginning part of this of the, to this pasuk of Vizayis Hatoshu Samayshaf Nebin Yisrael. So we are basically making a chalent of two different psukim. Halachically, it's not so clear that we're allowed to do it. Because there's a notion that wherever Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't Pesach or Pesach, where he didn't stop, we're not supposed to stop. So there are some people who do not say They don't say that last part. They won't say the last part because you're taking two Pesachim and putting it together. And the second Pesach is not a whole Pesach. You shouldn't be breaking up a Pesach in the way that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't break it up. So it's not so simple to say it. However, if you look at the actual psukim, with the context of where they are, it has nothing to do with the way we say it. Right? Where is next week's parsha. I'm sorry, this week's parsha, parsha That's in this week's parsha, and he's definitely, most likely, not talking about the entirety of the Torah. And look at Rashi, and you look at the commentaries, you'll see what I mean. And if you look at Al Pi Hashem Biad that's talking about the traveling with the with the with the Jewish people would travel when they were arrayed in Parshas Ba'aleischa when the Anan would go here or go there etc. There's nothing to do with with the Torah with the Bereshis Adlaine Kol Yisrael. But the tradition that we have of saying that's obviously a reference to the entirety of the Torah, and we're saying that the entirety of the Torah was given Al Pi Hashem. Biyad Moshe. So we say every time, Monday, Thursday, Shabbos, etc., whenever there is a Torah reading, we are attesting that the Torah, the entirety thereof, was given to Moshe by Hashem. That's a very extraordinary statement. It becomes a part of the Yud Gimel Ikrim. Maimonides says that anybody who says otherwise is a heretic. And... <coughs> I'm not going to get into tonight all the different problems and the issues with these statements. I just want to focus on really the Sefer of Devarim. So, again, as I pointed out, the Sefer of Devarim is written differently. It's written in the first person. Maitre Rabbein is talking, and he's talking in the first person about himself, whereas the previous books were talking in the third person. In other words, Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, here Moshe saying, and I did this, and I did the other thing. So that is one very fundamental difference. As I said, Chazal were aware and attuned to this point, and to what people might say. If you look at the Gemara Megillah, the Gemara Megillah says about the Teichacham, the difference between the Teichacham and Parshas Bechokaisai, and in Parshas Kisavai is what? That in Parshas Bechukai say we are not allowed to make a hefsik during the Aliyah. 
But in Parshas Kisavai, we're allowed to make a half-sick. In other words, the person who's getting the Aliyah, he's not going to have a half-sick in his Aliyah Mechukaisai because it's halachically not permissible. But in Kisavai, it's permissible. If there was somebody that really wanted to get an Aliyah, in Kisavai, you would be allowed to do it. This is halacha, black-letter law in the Shulchan Aruch today. So the Gemara says, why is that? So the Gemara says the following. In the Techan Parshas that's where you're not allowed to be Mavsek. But the Techa, you're allowed to be Mavsek in Kisava in the Techa there. Why? Because the Techa Parshas was written in the Lashon Rabbim, it was written in the plural. And Meishu Rabbeinu was saying it as it were from the mouth of HaKadosh Baruch whatever that means. It was written in It was written in a singular language. And Meishu said it on his own volition. Meishu said it of his own volition. And Taisus hastens to say, no, 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 Meishim Piatzmamam doesn't mean he said it of his own volition. He said it, Uvarach HaKadosh. He said it, nevertheless, with divine inspiration. So then you might say, well, what's the difference between Meishu Rabbeinu saying the Teichach and Parshas Kisavai versus the Teichach and Parshas Bukhikaisai if they're both relatively from God, right? So you might have to say that the difference is one is Mipiagvura and one is Mipirach HaKadosh. And somehow that's on a lower level. That's what Taisus would say. But that's not how this Gemara simply reads. The Gemara simply reads that Moshe said the Taicha in Parshas Kisavai had what? Moshe Moshe said it in his own volition, from himself. This is what he could track. This is what he thought. The Gemara continues. Levi Barbuti Havikari become a gam game. Levi was reading. In those days, you recall that when they got the Aliyah, they also read. It wasn't like today we had a, a guy who was laning for you about Korea, who was like professional, who was doing the laning. No, no. In those days, you got the Aliyah, you laned yourself. So Levi Barbuti was laning the Teichachah and Parshas Kisavai. The Kamagam game, Kamei He was not able to handle reading the Teichachah. He kept on breaking down. He kept on getting messed up. So Amr Allah, he said to Makanavshachah, if it's if it's okay with you, you know what? Why don't you take a break? You can step down from your aliyah. We'll have somebody else come in because it's able to be done by the toichacha of kisavai, which is, as I say, halachically brought down. This distinction, which is predicated upon the fact that the toichacha of pashas kisavai meishem ipi atzmei amar meishem said in his own name. He said it of his own volition. And the question would be, okay, that is very, very interesting. But how do we square that with all these other chazals that we have? For example, everybody's familiar that there are other contrary chazals. The Gemara says, for example, in Sanhedrin, Tanya, what does it mean that you are uh, sort of being mevaze, the word of God? Somebody who says that the Torah is not from heaven. And even if somebody says that the entirety of the Torah is from heaven. Except for one Pasuk. And what does he say about this one Pasuk? God didn't say that one Pasuk. But rather, Moshe said it of his own volition. That person is Kidavar Hashem Baza. That person is a person who is being Mavaza, the Word of God, Maimonides Council and Hilchas Shuva, as a rank heretic. Somebody says, even one Pasik or one Diktuk or one Kavachim or one Gzir is from Meshra Rabbeinu himself. That person is Ever Kidavar Hashem Baza. He's a heretic and he has no place. How do you square that with what we just saw in Abaya? What did Abaya say? Abaya said that the clothes in Parshat Kisavai are Meishim Piatme Amru, 
And now we're saying that anybody who says that is Dvar Hashem Baza. That's point one. But I don't think that it's like one Chazal versus one Chazal. There's certainly more Chazals that suggest that the Torah was written by Moshe Rabbeinu from Hashem in its entirety. But there are some Chazals that seem to indicate potentially the opposite way. That at least, to some degree, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote some things of his own volition. And where do we see that again? We see that in another Gemara, Baba Basra. The Gemara says, Amar Levi. I don't know if it's the same Levi, Barbuti. This is, this is Rama Rebbe Levi. See, that Hashem's Midas, whatever that means, it's not like humankind, not like man's midas. Why is that? Hashem blessed the Jewish people with 22 blessings, and he cursed them with eight. But what, is, but what does a human being do? But a human being, so we're comparing not God to any human being, we're comparing HaKadosh Baruch Hu as it were, to Meishu Rabbeinu, and we're saying that Meishu Rabbeinu's minas are not in comparison to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem blessed the Jewish people with 22 and cursed them with 8. But Meishu Rabbeinu, Bercha Mishmaina, He blessed the Jewish people with 8. The Kilam Esam And He cursed them with 22. Um, that is to say, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was much nicer to us than Meishu was. But... Let's read that Gemara carefully. It's comparing Moshe and his curses in the Teichacha to Hashem's curses in his Teichacha. Doesn't it sound like it's too different, the Teichachas? If Moshe was saying this in Devarim by Kisavai, then would it be just both of Hashem's Teichachas? Even if the language, even if the tense wasn't the same, wouldn't it be Moshe Rabbeinu saying in the name of God in both? LMI, what it sounds like from this Gemara is what? Like Abayah said in Megillah. That the Teichacha of Parshish Bechukaisa is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Teichacha of Parshish Kisava is Meshem Piyatzmai. So again, as I want to point out, even though there's certainly going to be more Chazals that we will find that suggest that Meshem Rabbeinu said everything, from Baruch Hu. nevertheless, there are those chazals that seem to intimate that Moshe Rabbeinu, at least for the Klalis and Devarim, said those mipi atzmai. Even though the Gemara said, says anybody who suggests that even about one little tittle, even one little dot, is what? Kedavar Hashem Baza. Now again, as we pointed out, it is clear that there is a difference between Devarim and the other books. Even if the Abaya and the Emir Blavi limited it to the Klalais, it seems to me by definition that it's not just the Klalais and the Teichacha. The entirety of the Varm reads differently. It reads differently because it doesn't say it says, and I did, and I did, and I did the other thing. It's constantly saying, what I did. If you look at the beginning of Devarim, in last week's parsha, the Pasuk says, Ela Devarim, right? These are the words that what? That Meshur Rabbeinu spoke to the Bnei Yisrael. These are the words that he spoke. It doesn't say at the beginning, Vaydabar Shem on Meshur. It says Meshur spoke these words. It doesn't say Hashem gave these words to Meshur Rabbeinu to speak. But if you look there in Pasuk Gimel, the Pasuk says, in the 40th year, the 12th month, Right in the in the eleventh month of the of the thing, the 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 pasuk continues. Diber Meisha, Meisha Benu spoke. Al Bnei Israel, Kechel Asher Tzivah Hashem Oisay Aleihem. Meisha Benu spoke to the Jewish people. Kechel Asher Tzivah Hashem Oisay Aleihem. Whatever Hashem had spoken to him. So it sounds like Meisha Benu perhaps did speak what Hashem had told him. So this could be. Potentially a proof otherwise. To the contrary, it's not Elah Devar Moshe Dibim Moshe Kol Yisrael. 
No, it's not just that. It's limited by the fact but there are many Chazals that seem to take from the Eilah HaDevarim that Meish Rabbeinu is doing a, a, a farewell address like you know George Washington like a farewell address in your, in your sort of living in your prime Meish Rabbeinu is still in his prime you're giving your final words and Moshe Benin's final words, as it were, were words of opprobrium. They weren't easygoing words. They were words that shook the people to the core. There was, of course, a section, a lot of mitzvahs, some that had never been heard before. But fundamentally, Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to give a muster to the people. So the beginning part of the Varim is a recapitulation of what happened in the past. And warning them about all the stuff that they had done terrible. Then in the middle is all the mitzvahs, many of which are new. And then we get, in the end, a more musr, and this time a warning about the future. That's the setup of the way Devarim works. So the Sifrei over here says, you know, why is Meshra Benu making a whole thing now? Why is he giving this farewell address now, at the end? So he says, because it's the end! Because of the fact that Meishu Rabbeinu learned from Yaakov Avinu, that when it comes to persons nearing the end, he should give Musr, he should give Taichacha, he should explain to the people what to do better. So he learned this from Yaakov Avinu, he saw this from the people in the past, so that's why he did it. And we all remember, Yaakov Avinu said to all the sons to gather around him, tell him what's going to happen, and then he gives Reuven and Shimon and Levi a whole ziddling out, then he gives the rest of them brachas, so that's what Meshav Benu saw. That's what you do at the end of your life. And remember what the Pasuk says at the end of, of Devarim. It doesn't say in either of these cases that Meshav Benu was doing what Hashem had told him to do. He's doing what makes sense to do in the situation that he was in. Again, with the contrary sort of intimation from the Pasuk Gimel that we saw. There's a, a classic Ramban, and others say similar ideas from other words, that it can't be that Moshe is saying this me piatzmai, and just you know totally me piatzmai. In other words, we saw in the Klalis that maybe Moshe Rabbeinu was saying me piatzmai, saying it of his own volition, and we're trying to extrapolate that now to the rest of the Varm because the rest of the Varm is also written in a different kind of volition, and Moshe Rabbeinu is saying it on his own. Now, we, admittedly, we don't have a Baya to tell us this. And we don't have Rablevi to tell us this. This is us saying it of our own Baychsvar. That it seems the Varm fundamentally looks different. And everybody notices that. So maybe we should take what Abayah and Rablevi said and apply it to the whole Devarim. But when we say Mipi Atzmai, we obviously don't say Mipi Atzmai that much is saying it of his own volition and talking about himself. Right, and that we can have in this week's parsha, we have the Shema. Next week's parsha, parsha Ekev, we have Vahaya. Right, in Vahayim Shemaya, Meshur Rabbeinu was telling the Jewish people, right, if you're going to listen, then Venasati Metarzechem Beitah Yeramakosh. Right, Venasati Metarzechem. I'm going to give you rain. Meshur Rabbeinu is saying about himself, I'm going to give you the rain. No, he's as it were talking for God. He's talking for God. He's, as it were, occupying the 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 eye that he himself is speaking, but he's, as it were, channeling HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch is going to bring the rain, not Moshe. In the Torah, when it's talking about all the terrible things that Hashem is going to bring, it's not Moshe Rabbeinu going to bring it. Hashem is going to bring it. Mipi Atzmai doesn't mean Moshe Rabbeinu saying it of his own volition that he's going to be doing anything. He's going to be dead. He's not doing anything. He is channeling HaKadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch is going to do all these things to you. And that's a very key point. Mipi'atzmai means he's saying it of his own volition, but it doesn't mean that he is saying it about himself. He's saying it about HaKadosh Baruch He's channeling HaKadosh Baruch And that's what the Ramban points out very nicely. Now, it's very clear, it seems to me, that 
Chazal were onto something in pointing out the difference between Devarim and the other books that came before it. But what exactly is that difference? So I want to take you, before we get to the Rajbam, which will be at the end, I want to first take you with the approach of Shadal, then the Ramban, then the Abarbanel, and then the Rajbam. Shadal very beautifully says the following. And many people know Shadal was, if you look at him on, uh, on the internet, or you look at him in my Gedalim picture um, wall uh, decoration for Sukkot, you'll see a very nice looking man who seems not to be wearing a kippah and has no yam and no no beard. And you wonder, what is this person? And you read about him, oh, he's a bit of a maskil or a lot of a maskil. He's from the maskilim. But those who know Shadal and those who learn Shadal know that Shadal's commentary is very, very, very from. And this is one of the examples of it. Shadal says, it's impossible, it's impossible that Abaya is right. It cannot be that Meishu Rabbeinu said the Teichach of Devar Mipi Atzmai, Hayatachin, no chance. No way. Why? Because we have a Gemara in Sanhedrin, we just quoted before, Kidvar Hashem Baza, Des Mitzvah Sehefar, Ikares Ikares. And what did that mean? Somebody said, I feel Pasik Echad. It wasn't Akarish Baruchu, but rather it was Meishu Mipi Atzmai, such a person is a heretic. Says Shadal, doesn't work. Cannot be. This Gemara, that supposedly the Megillah that Abaya said, has no legs to stand. It can't be right. So therefore, nevertheless, and this is very important, Nevertheless, despite the fact that Abaya has no leg to stand on, we can still see the freedom of inquiry in the times of Chazal. Even though we know that it's totally incorrect to suggest that Maish Rabbeinu said anything, anything, nevertheless, I feel, um, uh, nevertheless, uh, nevertheless, the rabbis of the Talmud didn't hesitate to bring down the position of Abaya, who did in fact say that Maishu said the Klolis mi piatzmai. So I think this is a very beautiful point of Shadal. He says there's no way Abaya could be right. Abaya's suggestion that Maishu Rabbeinu said even just the Klolis mi piatzmai has to be wrong. However, just because there's a Taniatic source that says that that person is a heretic, nevertheless, it didn't stop Abayah from thinking what he thought, or the redactors of the Talmud, Ravina, Ravashi, the Rabban Savaroi, from bringing down the position of Abayah. They weren't scared. And that shows you the freedom of inquiry during the times of Chazal. That they weren't intimidated just because there was a contrary opinion from voicing their own. Which I think is a very, very fascinating point. I want to point out to you that Shadal clearly was acting here in a very polemical manner because he was certainly well aware of the Gemara beginning Baba Basra. The Gemara in Baba Basra on Tezvav says that the last eight psukim of Vizayis HaBracha after Meshach Rabbeinu's death could not have been written by Meshach. Why? Because he was dead. So how is he talking about what happened after he died? The Jewish people mourned for 30 days. What do you mean? How did he know? So there's two answers to the Gemara. They're right. Either Yeshua wrote it, or Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it in tears. But clearly there are opinions, aside from Abaya, that say that at least certain Sukkim within Devarim were not written by Moshe Rabbeinu and Piyagvura. Or not even written by Meishu Rabbeinu at all. So, 
Shadal is being polemical, as I said. He's very from. Because he would certainly say that if you say Yeshua wrote it, it's 100% wrong because it goes against the Gemara and Sanhedrin. So that's one point. The next point I want to talk about is the point of the Ramban. The Ramban is a very classic Ramban. You have to look for this Ramban in the beginning of Bereshus. The Ramban, the Sephardic commentators, as opposed to the Ashkenazic ones, generally, and again, there are exceptions to each, but generally speaking, the Sephardic commentators gave introductions, and the Ashkenazic commentators did not. The, the commentary of the Ramban has a very beautiful introduction to Bereshus. And during that introduction, he basically says the following. He says that the entirety of the Torah from Bereshus, Adlaini Kol Yisrael, was written by Meshur Rabbeinu Mipiagvura. No question. No doubt about it. And he has, there are two different opinions in the Gemara. Either Meshur Rabbeinu got the Torah in one sefer, one sefer, um, in which case he wrote it down each time he got a new, a, a new, uh, a new uh, sefer. And the other one is that he, he wrote the Torah down all at the end all the way at the end of his life in, in, in the year 40. In the 40th year in the desert, I mean. I'm sorry. That is the position of the Ramban. And the Ramban says, but you might ask, look at Sefer Devarim. Sefer Devarim is written in a very different way. Sefer Devarim is written in Meshach Beno in the first person. So he says, um, He says the following here. Don't worry so much about the fact that by Mishnah Torah in Devarim, that Maishu Rabbeinu was talking me piatzmai. Why not? Because of the fact that it says like this. Because the beginning of Deuteronomy, the beginning of Devarim, says, Ela Devarim, Ashadibah Maishu, Akal Yisrael. Because the beginning of Devarim was written in the third person. So since the beginning of Devarim was written in the third person, therefore everything that comes after that can be saying about Moshe Rabbeinu talking about himself in the first person. Because the beginning of the story is in the third. And now we're going to just say how it happened. But initially, we start out with a third person, and therefore it works to continue. So what's the position of the Ramban on the matter, on this Machlaikas, that we see in the Gemara Barabasra and, and Megillah versus the Gemara and Sanhedrin? The answer is very simple. According to the Ramban, like Shaddal, there's no way that Abayah is right. In other words, Rashi and the Gemara Megillah Taisus and the Gemara Megillah do seem to accept, they don't necessarily say that Abayah is right, but they don't have a problem with the position. Taisvis attempts to water it down by saying that at least he had Ruch HaKadosh, which is not the same as Mepiyakivur, but it's something. He had some sort of divine inspiration, but not the Ramban. The Ramban is saying that the entirety of the Torah, even he forgets that Gemara and Basra, that we said that the last day Pesukim are problematic. The Ramban ignores all of that. The entire Torah, from the beginning until the end, was all Meishu Rabbeinu Piyakavur, like the Gemara in Sanhedrin? No question asked. Ah, you're going to say, but Devarim is written differently. Anyone who has a half a brain would notice Devarim is written in the first person. Very different than the Shemayi Samayikra Bamin, which is written in the third person. The answer to that says the Ramban, so long as the beginning of the book started out with the third person, it is acceptable. Now let's talk about the approach of the Abar Benel. So, now Bible is a very, very creative approach. Now, Bible now suggests the following about Devarim. He says, I can't not notice that Devarim is written very differently. It's obviously written very differently. The Hakdama of the Bible to Devarim also talks about um, his getting thrown out of, uh, of different countries. So it's also worthwhile to read the Hakdama of the Barbanel just to talk, see some of the history. The Barbanel was the leading rabbi in Spain pre the expulsion, and he he had already left Portugal where he had been born, and and 
been forced to leave there and left Spain, eventually uh, went to Italy and died in Italy. The Abar Bernal had an offer from Ferdinand and Isabella to stay in Spain because of the fact that he was so valuable to the kingdom, not as a Torah exegete. They weren't, they weren't so concerned about that. No, the reason they invited him to stay, even though they were killing and shmatting and stealing from the rest of his brethren, was simply because of the fact that he was also the finance minister of Ferdinand and Isabella. And they knew how valuable he was to the king, to the kingdom, in order to keep it financially solvent for all the different wars that Spain was fighting and embarking on the exploration of the world along with Portugal. These were the two major maritime powers of the time. So the Abar Bernal in this introduction talks about that. And then he continues to talk about Devarim. And he says, Devarim is an odd book. It's not written the same way. And he comes up with the following solution, like this. Says the Abar Bernal. I think what happened was this. He says, Maishu Rabbeinu did what George Washington did. Kaviyachal, right? Let's talk about George Washington for just a second. You have been elected twice. You've been president for eight years. People want to make you a king. People want you to stay on. They love you. You're non-denominationally, not a federalist or an anti-federalist. Even if you have certain sympathies to the federalists. But everyone uniformly admires you. And you know it's time to go. So, you're afraid what's going to happen to your little country, your nascent state. What are they going to happen to them after you're gone? All these 13 states, what's going to happen? They're going to all fall apart? You don't want them to fall apart. You've given the measure of your life to creating this country. So you get up there and you tell the people your deepest fears, your deepest desires to have them stay united. And in, and in George Washington's farewell address... It's all about trying to avoid the evils of political parties, trying to avoid the evils of being connected into foreign influences. This was his farewell address. On a side note, it is reputed or rumored that King George in England, who had lost the revolution, said that he was so shocked. He said the biggest and greatest thing of the American Revolution was that George Washington left and didn't become king and didn't take the power forever. Because the power is like in the Lord of the Rings. When you get touched the power, you just want more and more of it. It's very, very hard to let it go. So Kaviyachal, Elf Afiyavdaz, Meishu Rabbeinu, has just spent 40 years forming these people. He's just brought them through the fires and the hell of Egypt and the slavery there. Through the giving of the Torah, through all the miraculous exodus from Egypt, through all the miraculous years in the desert, through all the trauma and tragedies that they faced. So many people have been lost during their excursions. Why? Because they didn't trust, they couldn't wait. Whatever the reasons were, there was something amiss. So they now, after having purified the Jewish people through all of this travel in the desert, for all this time, and the cocoon with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's time to go. But Maishu Rabbeinu knows that it's not going to end well. There's going to be problems. There's going to be expulsion in the end from the land of Israel. So he's very nervous. So he reveals his deepest, deepest fears. And he says to them, look, you guys sinned so much in the past. I know it's going to happen again. And I'm afraid that when it's going to happen, you're going to get thrown out of the land. You're going to be dispersed throughout the world. And he says this to the Jewish people. He's enunciating, enumerating his deepest seated fears. And when he's done, says the Abba HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, that was really good. I'm going to make this a part of the Torah. Now the problem with the Abba is if you take certain Midrashim literally. In other words, the Midrashim that say, it's actually a Gemara also, that there were seven things created before the creation of the world, including the Torah, right, or other versions or iterations of it in Chazal, that the Torah was created 2,000 years before, generations before, how many generations before? Well, if the Torah was created all those generations before, then how could Meshur Bain be adding to it? 
That's a problem that I don't want to get into right now. I don't know if that the Abarbanel has to agree with that, Medrash. What the Abarbanel is definitely suggesting is a way to make Abaya and the Gemara and Sanhedrin both stim together, to jive together. How's that? Very simply. Abaya said that Moshe said him Ipiatzmai. He did. 100% that he did. Maishra Rabbeinu said the close in Kisave Ba'atzmai. In fact, he said the entire Devarim Ba'atzmai. He gave a speech, a powerful speech, a long speech, about a touchdown on many different things. But it was his own speech. He chose the words. And then Hashem adopted it. And then Hashem adopted it. And <coughs> made it, as it were, his own. And made it a part of the Torah. And he said to Moshe, this is now going to become a part of the Torah. For example, if this sounds somewhat shocking, what about the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni? If the people hadn't complained and said, Lomanigara, why are we going to miss out? Would there be a Pesach Sheni in the Torah? These are the people that brought out the mitzvah. There wouldn't have been the mitzvah without them. The same with the Bnei Salafchad, complaining about their lack of receiving a inheritance, that it was unfair. If they hadn't complained, that part of Torah would not necessarily have been there. So the same for Devarim itself. If Meishu Rabbeinu hadn't given such a speech, it wouldn't necessarily have been there. But to think that after HaKadosh Baruch Hu adopts it, as part of the Torah, that you could now say that, oh, Moshe Rabbeinu is saying that in Piyatzma, doesn't mean Hashem, as it were, agreed? Oh, that's a heretic. You're a rank heretic. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu adopted it. It's now part of Torah, exactly like everything else. It's Emes La'amitai. Says the Abarbanel. It's quite possible also that HaKadosh Baruch Hu embellished it. In other words, when Moshe Rabbeinu gave a speech, maybe he gave a speech that covered 90% of what Devarim is, and Hashem said, add on a few different things here and there. And as it were, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did an editing job. But you don't make it any less HaKadosh Baruch Hu's. To give an example, the, uh, anybody who's familiar with Lubavitch, you know the Lubavitch Rebbe, he uh, has so many books that they have from him. Mamarim and the and the different speeches and fabrangas. You know how many of those books he actually wrote? He didn't write books. He gave speeches. They put the speeches in the books. The Rebbe edited actually recently a very big uh Mashpia in Labavitch, was known as the Khaizer. He used to go over the Rebbe's speeches. He just died, he was ninety one years old, super brilliant, like almost photographic type of memory. He would sit there right in front of the Rebbe, the Rebbe would speak, he would remember and then after Shabbos, after Yanzif, would write everything down. So what they would do is they would write it all down. And then they would give it to the Rebbe to edit before publishing. Sometimes he would edit it a little, sometimes a lot. But would anyone possibly say that it was somebody's work other than the Lubavitcher Rebbe's? No. It was his. Even if somebody else wrote it, it doesn't mean anything. So in this case, Moshe Rabbeinu is writing, is saying, I'm sorry, whatever he wants to say. And then Hashem is telling him to write it. And Hashem is perhaps editing it. And Hashem is saying, now it comes part of mine. So you wouldn't say that Moshe Ben didn't say it on his own. He did say it on his own. He did. But you wouldn't say that it's not part of the Torah, that it doesn't have the same level of Torah validity. It has exactly the same level of Torah validity. Why? Because Hashem made it his own. So the Abar Benel threads the needle and is able to make the Gemara Megillah and the Gemara Barabbasra on the one side, as well as the Gemara Sanhedrin on the other, work all together. So that takes us to the Rashbam. So the Rashbam, in many places in the Varm, says basically the following kind of a line. If you look right at the beginning of the Varm, you'll see, When Moshe came to explain the mitzvahs, or Vigam Zek Kasav ideally Israel, or Moshe Rabbeinu wrote this in order to inform the Jews, or Kolazar Zalal Hutrich Moshe Idea, constantly talking about what Moshe Rabbeinu had to do or didn't have to do. And it's Kahena Vechahena, repeatedly in the Varim, 
he is constantly and consistently saying Moshe Benu had or didn't have to do something and why he did something. And the question is, why is he saying Moshe is doing or not doing something? It seems that what he's leaning towards is the idea that Moshe Rabbeinu was doing this all mipi atzmai. And therefore, since he's doing it mipi atzmai, he's giving Moshe Rabbeinu the credit because of the fact that it's Moshe Rabbeinu the one who's saying it and writing it and doing all that. It sounds like he's taking a bio about the klalais and kisavai, extrapolating that to all of Devarim, and taking it literally. And therefore, you would have to say that he's coming out either in a way that would be against the Gemara and Sanhedrin, saying that Meshavim did it on his own, which would be rank heresy, or he's saying it like the Bible now, that HaKadosh Baruch adopted it. The Rosh Ram doesn't explain. So, this is what you might think if you just learned the Rajbam in Devarm. But here's why I'm telling you that I don't actually think that the Rajbam is going on like the approach of the Abarbanel. I think that the more correct approach is to suggest that the Rajbam uses this language as just the way he speaks. You know, I'll give you an example. My kids don't like it if I use the word Deuteronomy. They say, Dvarim, say Dvarim, why are you saying Deuteronomy? In my notes, I have the word Moses and Deuteronomy or Genesis. That's how I write it, because I'm writing in English, that's how I write. My kids get very upset. They should say Dvarim, they should say Moshe, they should say all these things. Obviously, if I'm writing in Hebrew, I write it in Hebrew, but in English, that's how I write it. They don't like it. It makes them nervous. So, you plumb a little bit. Like, why is it making you nervous? Why do you well, like? Why is it bothering you? <laughs> Deuteronomy doesn't sound Jewish. It sounds like non-Jewish. I mean, what does that have to do with Yiddishkeit? Deuteronomy is not. It's not the Torah. You know, you should try the word Pentateuch with them. See if they like that better. Um, when we look at the Rajbam and his suggestion. The saying that Moshe Rabbeinu had to do this and didn't do that, and why he said this, Moshe Rabbeinu, it sounds like totally mipiatzmai. You guys are a little nervous, but I think that the answer is that the Rashbam is actually using this as the way he talks, and it does make you a bit nervous. But he talks like this even in Bereshis. Even in Beratius, look at the beginning of Beratius, and it's like I have 20 odd examples of that in Beratius. But look at it in Beratius, just the first, the very first Pusik in Beratius. Well, the Rashbam actually has an introduction despite being Ashkenazi. Over there, he says the following He says, He Over there, he's discussing why is the Torah talking about. Various different um, uh, things in relation to the Shabbos. And he says, and it's, it's good for this week's parsha, right? With the Sarah Sedebus. Higdima Meish Rabbeinu Lefarish Kach Masham HaKadosh Baruch Bashas Mantera. Meish Rabbeinu was mocked him. He made an introduction in Genesis, in Bereshis. That was just to see if you get nervous. He made an introduction in Bereshis that what? To say, why did he why did he talk about Vayichulu? He made a Hagdama like this because by Matan Torah Hashem says Zachasim Hashabbos Lakadshay. Hashem says, remember, right? The Shabbos, keep it holy. Why? Because of Kishesh's Yom Asa Hashem is Hashem Vesaretz. Because Hashem did the world in the six days, and He rested on the seventh. So therefore, therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu told the gist to the Jewish people, that Akash Baruch's words are true. So that's why you have this whole thing about Yichulu at the beginning, the six days, the seventh day he rested, and all that. Moshe Rabbeinu was mocked him? Beratius? What are you talking about? Moshe Rabbeinu was told what to write in Beratius. Well, how could the Rajbam be saying Meishu Rabbeinu was mocked and Meishu Rabbeinu wrote? And you'll see this 
as I said, numerous examples throughout Bereshit, and one example on Shemais. That suggests to me that according to the Rashbam, you can't say that the Rashbam is holding like the Abaya, that throughout the whole Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it of his own volition, the entirety of the Torah. That is clearly not the Rashbam. It won't be sustained. The Rashbam was a from Jew. You remember the joke I said all the way at the beginning of the Rajbam classes, way back in Parshas Bereshis. I was mocked him with, with the following. I said, there's a, a Mordechai that brings down a story that there was a, 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 a problem of Kilayim, of traveling in a wagon with two different animals, and the Rajbam was about to be over on it. Why? Because the Rajbam wouldn't even look up when he walked. He was such a holy Jew that he literally looked down at the ground, he wouldn't pick his head up anywhere. And the Rabbeinu Tam, who was his younger brother, the famous Balatoisvis, the famous, the greatest of the Balatoisvis, the first, uh, very well-known one, and, and, and definitely the one who, we, well, him and his younger, his younger uh, protege, the Ri, to whom all the Balatoisvis at the end of the day pay homage, the Rabbeinu Tam says to his older brother, the Rajbam, his oldest brother, and says, like, pokes fun at him and says, Stop being such a oibachukum, stop being such a big tzaddik. Sometimes you have to pick up your eyes or you're going to end up doing an avera. So the Rashbam was a firm Jew. He didn't say that the entirety of the Torah was written by Moshe Rabbeinu, of his own volition. So what then did he say? So therefore, again, it doesn't apply to him, the, the Abarbanel, at all. I think what you have to say is that the Rashbam used this as part of his lexicon. I don't know why. I'm not 100% sure I know why. I have some ideas, but we are limited on time, so I won't be able to share them. But the idea is clear to me that the Rajbam, when he says Moshe Rabbeinu is doing something, Tzarech Lechtev this, or Makdim that, or Amar this, is all which sounds Moshe Rabbeinu Piatzmai. Clearly, it didn't mean that in, in its simple understanding. He must have meant it as a way of referring to Moshe Rabbeinu in an autonomous way when he really was, of course, writing down and doing what Hashem had told him. And we will have to leave it off for another time to discuss why the Rashbam might have had an agenda, why he wanted to talk like that. So have a good Shabbos. Good Shabbos Nachamu. Ugh.